What's up, everyone? This is Jacob Moses, host of the Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we teach technical writers a different skill so they can enhance their skill sets, improve their marketability, diversify their career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill, implementing single source authoring. Our guest today is Paul Steckline, and he knows his documentation. As documentation manager at Madcap, undoubtedly the industry leader in documentation software, Paul understands what does and does not work for documentation teams. A specific documentation methodology that Paul believes is essential for documentation teams is single source authoring. The ability to use a single source of documentation for multiple outputs. In this episode, Paul shares how you can implement single source authoring in your organization, including how single source authoring can add value to your organization, why all documentation teams should consider implementing it, and what tools and processes can help you succeed. Enjoy. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing today? Hi, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. You having a peaceful morning in La Jolla? So far, it usually is. It's not too bad here. There we go. There we go. I would love to be in La Jolla right now, just kicking it with some seals. <laughs> That's right. You know, we're, we're only a couple of blocks from that. So I'll oh, just yeah, take, really? yeah, I'll take a couple of walks uh, throughout the day and just walk down there and look at the seals and come back and do more documentation. Oh, my goodness. I can't think of a better break in the day than a walk to the seals. So, Paul, as you know, today we're talking single-source authoring. Yeah. And I truly can't think of a better guest to unpack this topic than yourself uh, as doc manager at Madcap, which is undoubtedly uh, the industry leader in documentation software, which, of course, includes Madcap Flare, which is a single-sourcing tool. Right. So, Paul, to get started, I would love for you just to give your basic definition of single source authoring. Yes, we have a lot of listeners who are already in the tech comm industry and are likely familiar with this term, but this podcast also has a lot of college students, students studying tech comm who may not yet be exposed to single source authoring. We have listeners in other industries who are considering making that making that shift into tech comm. So Paul, for those folk, how would you define single source authoring? Okay, well, single sourcing, actually, the answer is in the name. It's uh, you're using a single source, a single source of documentation to create multiple different kinds of outputs for multiple purposes. So um, that's really, in a nutshell, what it is. Uh, a lot of people will wonder, well, why do, why do you need that? Well, I'll give you an example of you know why, why someone might want that. A lot of times it's... Um, it's because you want the, to use the same content for different purposes, maybe different audiences, or sometimes it's for different uh, scre- screens, different you know physical outputs. For example, when I was in grade school, uh, we would have these workbooks, and all the kids would have the workbooks, and you'd have to you know write through them, work your way through them. Well, the teacher had the exact same workbook, except for the teacher had all the answers, and so we spent all of our time trying to get a hold of the teacher's, you know, workbook. That was the good one. So imagine this workbook being created. Well, 
back in the day, I mean, I, 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 I come from the land of typewriters, <laughs> you know, from way back when. Back, back in the day, to create this uh, workbook, someone would have, you know, typed all of this up, all of the information in the workbook. But now you have the teacher's version, and it's 70% the same, except for you add on the answers. Well, what do you want to do? You don't want to re- recreate all of this. Uh, so back in the day, it would have been harder. You'd have to just retype everything. Um, nowadays, people might copy and paste to create another version. Uh, but that, what that does is it creates extra work, and it, and it also invites mistakes, uh, things like that. Um, so that's one reason why you might want single sourcing is is because you want to you want to maintain one source of documentation but easily create these different outputs so an audience is is one way of doing this or one reason to do it another is the more choices we have for viewing content that means people are are demanding that you provide documentation in those formats so i might provide someone with a user guide and it's a pdf and you print it out you look at it but they also might want to see it online. They might want to see it on a large monitor, or they might want to see it on their iPad, or they might even want to see it on their phone. Everyone's addicted to their phones these days. So it's just a way of having all of these different outputs without driving yourself crazy and working yourself into the grave by trying to keep on top of of all of these by having multiple sources. Multiple sources would be the hard way to do it. So this is really just an easy way to create multiple outputs from a single source. Yeah, and I love how you're, you're meeting that demand because you're exactly right. People are looking at documentation on all different kinds of formats. Some people still prefer to print out a document. Some are going to go mobile. And I, I love that example from, from childhood. I mean, you're exactly right. How quickly can I get the teacher's answers and slide that notebook back into her desk before she comes back into the classroom? <laughs> you don't want to waste time having to write everything down. She'd catch you. <laughs> exactly. I know. Talk about, talk about working faster. Just get a hold of the answers. And- yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for really defining single source authoring for us. And it's there's really a great historical context yeah. that aligns with single source authoring that we talked in some of the discussions that preceded this podcast that I think can really help listeners understand that single source authoring didn't just, it, it didn't come out of random. It wasn't just happenstance. Looking at the history of documentation, it made sense that this was the next methodology. Would you mind elaborating on the historical context of single source authoring? Sure. Actually, I was with a, a coworker. We were kill- we were in Florida some event, and we were killing time. We went to Disney World, and we were going through this ride. Um, you know, I'd never been on this thing before, but as we're going through it, it was sort of showing the history of of, of communication. And and as we're riding through this thing, we're going. This is like the history of technical communication huh. almost because you're going from writing on stone to to the printing press right you know paper creating books and then you got the typewriter and then you got the computer and te- you know so much uh, so many improvements have been made in technology just in the last you know few years if you if you think about it that way for the longest time people were given documentation if you will in 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 a single format in the same format well as as technology improved, as more formats became available, people's expectations 
increased. So it went from, okay, I, yeah, I, I want this on a book. Well, I want this, uh, now, now I, want it, I want it electronically. Um, but I don't want it just in a, in a you know, even on, in a page format. I want, it, I want it sort of like a website. Now, oh, now, now I can look at things on, uh, on an iPad. Now I can look at things on a phone. So it w- really was a matter of necessity being the mother of invention that um, people's demands increased over time. And so we had to create tools that met those demands. So that you're not you're not just using a typewriter or Microsoft Word to create everything. You had to have these other tools so that you could easily produce this information without having to hire an army of people to do it. Yeah, there's the just the next next logical step with all the all the technological changes and man, Madcap has been doing just such a such a phenomenal job. Well, thanks. We we actually um, I would I would say that most people recognize uh, RoboHelp as sort of the ancestor in, in, in all of this. And the core people working at Madcap Software, the people, a group of us came from, from there. It, it started out as Blue Sky Software, and then it changed the names to eHelp. Um, and then along the way, um, Macromedia bought us, and then Adobe bought Macromedia. And so there was... <laughs> uh, uh, there was a, there was a period there where there was seemed to be sort of um, a gap, and people didn't know you know what was going to happen, and so we all got laid off basically because we, everybody thought robot uh, that might go away, um, but we decided to start up Madcap Software, and Flare was the cornerstone product in that um, because we weren't <laughs> done. We knew there was a lot more to do, so Flare really uh, took the you know, took the torch from there. Um, and so the reason, the reason why Flare and the Madcap products are so in tune with single sourcing is because we have the people who really created it and developed it initially. Been it from the start? Yeah. So, you know, it's not the only, it's not the only choice out there. There's other, other choices, but I, I, I'm pretty biased because this is kind of where it all, all began. And we have, you know, the best experts, um, in-house here yep and later on in the podcast we're going to get to the tools and processes where we really dig into this a bit deeper okay and i want to take a step back and ask that that big question and it's going to be a, a two-parter why should documentation teams consider implementing single source authoring mm. and then also do you believe that there is a criteria that these organizations should meet before they consider doing so I think about my own organization. We don't use single source authoring. And I assume that's because all of our documentation exists on one site. So maybe we wouldn't be a good candidate to implement single source authoring. So what would your what would your response be? Well, that's a great question. The the reason why uh people should consider single source authoring is anybody who wants to work less mm. <laughs> first of all and produce more create a whole bunch of documentation and it's an electronic format and it's and I create PDFs and I create movies I create all this all this stuff if I didn't have uh, single sourcing tools that I have I would have to hire a lot of people and I would have and it would take a, a lot longer so that's one reason is that it's quicker why why produce something 
six, seven, eight, nine times the same information over and over in all these different sources. When you can do it once, it's easier to write it once. Um, another reason is that you're going to be able to maintain consistency better and cut down on mistakes. So imagine if you're writing documentation for a company and they want all these reference guides or user guides or something, and but they're uh, for for different areas of the country, maybe different offices, and uh, so you have to maintain, you know, maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen different guides, and a lot of the information is the same. Well, you're ha- you're you're maintaining twelve, thirteen, fourteen sources, uh, and every time a change is made, you have to go back to each one of those. And go, okay, what are, now? Where was this? And I get to make sure I make these changes here. And if you miss uh, a spot. Uh, you're you're going to end up with incorrect information, errors, mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's just smarter, um, faster, easier, better. <laughs> Pick your adjective to to do it in one place. So that's why I I think people should really consider it. And even if you're not doing that yet, what single sourcing does is it opens up the doors. Maybe you never thought that you could take all of these PDF documents and and turn this into something that is also available in a website format, for example, people don't realize that that's a possibility. They think, well, we'll just pop, plop our PDFs up there. Well, that's all well and good. But remember, a, a manual is going to be very linear. It's going to be a lot of pages. So it might be 238 pages. And for someone to get to the information they need, it's not the same as is maybe using a search feature online and and having information in short digestible chunks of information it's just a different presentation so it opens up all these possibilities that maybe your company didn't think that it had yeah i love that don't disregard single source authoring just because your organization currently doesn't use multiple channels i love how you're saying give it a shot and then maybe it can open up possibilities that you didn't initially think your organization would implement in your documentation team. That's a really nice sentiment. So it really sounds like that single source authoring is a great way to show your value to your employer, that you're adding value to the team. Because gosh, I mean, if you're doing more more work in less time, it definitely plays a role. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your organization is going to value you really it's, a, it's about money. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, can you make me money? Can you save me money? <laughs> those, are the two, those are the two things. And unfortunately, technical writers, it's, we, we sort of have this stigma about us. We kind, of, we kind of feel like we're at the bottom of the totem pole and, you know, if layoffs are coming, we're the first people they're going to they're gonna toss out because they think, well, that's kind of a nice-to-have feature. It's not a must-have feature of the documentation. It's really not true. Uh, a writer can be on both sides of this. A writer can actually make money for their company. Um, may- maybe you create a nice introduction overview video of uh, some of your company products and um, potential customers see this. And, and that's the one thing that prompts them to say, I need this product. That's really good. That answers all my questions. Hey, you've, you're helping to make the company money. In the, in the area of single sourcing, it's really about saving money. So if you can do the same amount of work in a fraction of the time, in 10% of the time, 
that means you're not going to need as many people on staff. You're not going to need to work as many hours. That's that's saving money. Uh, so if you can show your or and also that you you like I said before, you're you're providing information in multiple ways in multiple channels mm-hmm. uh, that that can be attractive to to your employer they say wow we didn't know we could do that and so you know you as a, as a writer are adding value and and um i i, sh- I should definitely keep you around because you know how to do this you you're you're providing not just this one single set of guides but you're providing a lot more so that can be very attractive especially if that's a demand from your from your customers i can't think of a better way to to show that value added yeah that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that because that, that really is the overarching theme of this podcast. It's, it's giving technical writers the skills to show that they are adding value to their organizations, prove to their employers that the tech writer is is a must-have feature. Yeah, you want to say, I'm, I'm a human too. I'm important yes. too. In fact, I'm, I'm really important. That's Technical writers should be they should be really proud yes. of what they do and, and should feel like they're a vital part of their organization and and companies should see it in that way. Um, I, I think if you have the right the right tools, it just makes it easier to get that across that that you that you're valuable, that you're you're not you're not just taking up space. You're not just a you know, warm body sitting over here. Well, Paul, thank you for being a champion for the riders. We need more people like you. <laughs> Do what I can. I'm right well, there with every, with you. There we go. Well, I th- this is a good shift to start talking about tools and processes mm-hmm. when it comes to single source authoring. And yes, you do have permission to give a plug from Madcap, of course. Uh, for listeners, this is not sponsored content. Paul is just super awesome and knowledgeable and happens to work for Madcap. So Paul, what tools would you recommend for listeners who have not yet implemented single source authoring and want to give it a shot. And then also, what's the right perspective when we start talking about processes of single source authoring? I know in the discussion that preceded this, you said not taking the right amount of time to plan right. how you're going to single source can often be a downfall. Yeah, that's that's all really important. Well, obviously, I'm biased working for Madcap Software, and I've been with the company since the beginning, since we started, what, 11, 12 years ago, something like that. And and like I said, it was with eHelp before that. So I've used a lot, and I've been a technical writer longer than that. So I've used a lot of the tools out there, and there's there's good tools all over the place. I, I do think that Flare is, is the leader. I know the tools out there. I know what they can do, what they can't do. Um, and no tool is perfect, but this is Flare is is the biggest arrow in in, the, in my quiver. Um, it's the one that the tool that I use to do the vast majority of our work. But we have we have other tools um, in Madcap too. Like I mentioned, there there was RoboHelp. A lot of people have have used RoboHelp for years, and there are other tools. I know you know Authorit is out there, but I I can really speak mostly toward the Madcap products and Flare. Flare is what they have has been called a help authoring tool. It's beyond help. It's for more than just creating, you know, help help systems. But that's what a lot of people think is its primary use. It's it's for creating help systems. Yes, but you know, e-learning systems, uh, user guides, uh, knowledge bases, all kinds of all kinds of things. So Flare is built around the idea 
really of topic-based authoring. And what I mean by that is it's a change in mindset because for the longest time throughout history, everything was was long, you know, lots of paragraphs in order, books, you're creating books, manuals, lots and lots and lots of pages. Well, topic-based authoring changes that. And what you're doing is you're saying, think of a subject. Think of a subject that can stand on its own. When you go to a website, you're not in most websites, you're not scrolling down forever. You're, you're, you're looking at one digestible piece of content. And so it's shorter. So you think in these topics. And then what happens is you, you're, you're given, because you have these small topics that act as uh, independently, you're able to piece them together, kind of create building bro- blocks, sort of like Legos, where you say, oh, okay, I'm going to create a manual from all these topics, and they're going to be in this order. And then you could create another manual, and maybe they're in a different order, and you could create a help system, and they're in a different order, or different topics are included, and some are left in, and, uh, and some are left out. And so that's one reason why a help authoring tool such as Flare is really, really uh, nice. I think that's the way to approach it is topic-based authoring, because and there is another way to do it, but I, I think topic-based authoring, in my experience, is the easiest way, the most logical way to do it. Now, the other way to do it is you take something that is a longer document, for example, a Word document, and then you say, okay, now I'm going to identify these different chunks in it, these smaller pieces, and we're going to break it out. Uh, we have another tool called Doctahelp, which we actually acquired a couple years ago from another company. So this is for people who maybe might be intimidated by a product as uh, vast as Flare, because there are a lot of bells and whistles in it. But if you say, well, I don't want to really want to learn this whole new system. I just, I know, I know Word. I just want to get my output into some sort of an online format. Well, you could do something like that. You could have uh, <clears throat> you could have a Word documents, and then you identify the places where you want to break it into smaller chunks. I just think, I tend to think that the creating topics first is easier than that route. But that is another solution for people who maybe don't need all the bells and whistles and and they're really comfortable with Word, that's fine. That's great. Um, uh, so Doctahelp might be a better solution for a lot of people. And then we have, I mean, there are other tools that you think about what documentation specialists do. You're creating images, too. you got to create images and put them in here. Well, we have some single sourcing features that are kind of built into our screen capture tool, which is called Capture. So, um, and our movie making software, which is called Mimic. So we have, that's the one theme with all of these tools that we have is single source. And we want them to speak, we want these tools to speak to one another and and be able to use these features um, that allow you to do the least amount of work in the quickest way. Yeah, I love that. And for listeners, if any of these these products that Paul has mentioned intrigue you, um, in the show notes below this little player, we'll have We'll have links to all of them where you can you can do some more research and sounds like find the right one for you. Yeah, yeah, I would I would I would advise anybody to test these things out. Any any software tool out there, um, Madcaps included, should have uh, trial yeah. software. So even if you you're not sure you want to buy it, go download a trial. What does it hurt? Create it. You know, work your way through it. Um, do, shop around. Um, and, and then you'll find the one that fits you the best. There we go. I love it. So, Paul, we've we've defined single source authoring, really fleshed it out, really expressed those benefits of why documentation teams should implement it. 
So for the listeners who are also persuaded and getting excited about single source authoring, what would your, your quick start guide be for them? How should they get started right away? Okay. Uh, what I would suggest, if you're, if you're going to get started, say, with uh, Flare or with um, Doc2Help, what I would do is, like I said, you download the trial version of it. You want to test it out. Well, each one of these, um, I've created some getting started documentation for people for, the, for that exact reason. And people tend to learn in different ways. Some people really, they want to read about it. Some people want to watch it. And some people want to, they learn by doing. So, for example, for Flare, I created a series of getting started pieces. One, one of them is a getting started guide. So, that's just a PDF. And you download it and you read through it. And you read about the basics of it. Oh, this is, this is how, I, how a person who's new to this gets started. These are the things that you should learn. These are the pieces that you should concentrate on. You know, don't don't think about all all of the features in here. Just concentrate on these things. Um, and then for people who like to just, I just want to see a video. Just show me a video. I'll, I'll get it. You know, get, so I've got a getting started video, eight minutes long. I don't know, something like that, eight minutes long, maybe ten. Um, that you'll watch it, and it's going to take you through the same type of information to help you get adjusted and then there's a getting started tutorial so this is again it's a it's a pdf guide which you can download and then what it does is it takes you through all of the steps for um, some of the main features in flare so the tutorial is going to say you know, do this and you're actually creating a flare project and creating output and content and so you're learning by doing and some people may want to use all three of these so that's that's um the first thing that I would suggest people do, and then I just I just tell people play play with it. It's, you're not going to break anything. You're going to not going to hurt anything. Create your own projects and test it out. And and different people need different features. Well, put them in there. Treat it as a sandbox. See see if you can you know figure it out. If you can't, um, check the documentation. If you can, if you still need help, call or tech support, and they'll they'll help you um, get where you want to go so i would i would just i would just get in get it treat it it's a sandbox get in and play with it sometimes it sounds more intimidating all these new phrases that people hear single source you know topic based authoring and it's it's really simple when you break it all down and once you get it there's always a period where where people where the light goes on and they go ah i got it and then they're off to the races so you just kind of have to work to that point where the light goes on yeah, and whether that light comes on by way of video or PDF or just playing around, sounds like Madcap's got their back. Hope so. <laughs> we like to think we do. <laughs> well, beautiful, Paul. Well, man, just thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and sure. really just laying out all the benefits of single source authoring. Like I said in the in the beginning, my my organization has never used it. I. I did like a demo of Madcap Flare in college, but beyond that, wasn't really familiar. Um, but man, it just sounds like a great product and just the philosophy of single source authoring in general sounds great. And I'm sure the listeners agree. I hope so. It's been my, uh, my, my pleasure. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me today. Of course. So Paul, if any listeners want to follow you, learn more about you, learn more about Madcap, where can people find you online? Oh, they can find me. Uh, well, they can find me in the help. There we go. <laughs> um, actually, uh, so I mean, all all of that is me. Uh, but at the bottom of every help topic, there are links to our 
um, our Twitter and Facebook. It's the um, Madcap Doc team. So the easiest way for me to tell people is go to the to the Flare Help, which is help.madcapsoftware.com. The links are actually at the uh, just the homepage. You go down to the bottom of the homepage, and you're going to see the little Twitter and Facebook icons down there, and you click on either one of those, and that's how you find me. Perfect. Perfect. And maybe around lunchtime near the Seals and La Jolla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should do a webcam or something like that. There we go. The, the doc team webcam. I love that. Well, Paul, this has been great, man. Yeah, thanks. It, it, it's been fun. I always like talking about single sourcing. Thank you, Paul. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care.